I've got good news and bad news. The bad news is that I did not find the cap for the almond milk. The good news is that I had a whole other carton I was about to throw away that I just poured all the milk in and used the cap for that one. So it all worked so out real. the real news is that you drink almond milk. Yeah, of course I drink almond milk. I hate Californians and I want them to all go dehydrated. Yeah, no, that's the take. What do you? What do you? What kind of milk do you drink? Um, I feel like it says a lot about uh, people. It's like two, like a two percent kind of guy usually. Two percent. I. You know, I don't. I don't really drink milk, although that's a very Midwestern thing. It's sort of something that I never really adopted. I use milk for sometimes like coffee or cereal, but or I, but I never really drink it. Do you want to hear something pretty insane? Yeah, always. So my the main guy at at a SI that I work under and like I help him out, Andy Benoit. He he used to drink like he said four to seven gallons of milk a week. Not like mm-hmm. through cereal or any of that stuff. Just drinking it straight. Yeah, I had a friend growing up who literally his family would go through. I mean. Mostly drinking, obviously some for cereal. They go through a gallon a day. I, I mean, at least that's a family. I mean, this Where's dude, this guy from? Where's this guy? Where's this guy from? He's from Idaho. Yeah, see? See, it's like a, it's like a Midwest type of thing. If you can call Idaho the Midwest, I guess. Oh, I think like Ameri- I think it's just like an American thing. Just like... That's true. No, it is. No, it is. I remember one time, like two years ago, my best friend here, I was living with him, and he was... He's not gonna listen to this. So I was, uh, uh, I was like, I was drinking milk, and he was like, just absolutely shocked. Because like in, in, in Egypt, like no one drinks milk. They use milk all the time, but no one just drinks milk. Do you think that's because like they're lactose intolerant? No, it's just not a cultural thing. It's just not how it's. It's just not a cultural thing. Because I found out last week. I found out that like 65% of adults are lactose intolerant because like I guess your body just as you get older you lose the enzymes or whatever it is that helps you digest milk when you're a child. Um, okay. And I looked into this because like I had – this is going to sound like TMI for the podcast but it's too late for that. Uh, I had such bad gas that I convinced myself for like half an hour that I had kidney stones. Because the gas had been that bad for so long, like for a few days. And it turned out that I'm pretty sure I just am now lactose intolerant. Yeah, that's actually like I've, there's like a lot of stories like that. You'd actually know if you had kidney stones though, as someone who has had kidney stones several times. How, what are the. It is brutal. Well, I mean, my, I had to like sit down because like my kidney was hurting and I was like, well, this doesn't feel right. But then I realized it was the gas. Like how would. Right. How would you know? Uh, okay, with kidney stones, it's like a pretty acute pain in like this, that, obviously that specific area. And it's just really sharp and intense and it lasts, well, until you pass them. And you can pass them several ways. One way is they kind of could just dissolve if they're smaller. That's the best way. Is that what they usually do? Oh, the, uh, the other way you can pass them is the sort of like what you see in sitcom ways, which is very real, 
which is you like you have to like they have to like go through your bladder and everything there's like that's not that's not cool is that that's not the way but that's not even the most painful way right because there is like if they get too deep like don't you have to like pee it out that's what I'm saying that's exactly what I'm saying that's what it is like it has to pass you have to pass the stone oh no oh no yep it sounds like the stone is probably a lot larger than the hole it's leaving (laughs) to be honest someone said kidney stones have never had to pass it like that um did you always catch it and like because I've heard they can like uh, I, I have like a kidney I actually have an enlarged right kidney so I've had a couple anyway I've had a couple kidney stone problems are they more like kidney boulders then hmm well you said like it's a big kidney so are they more like kidney boulders than kidney yeah, stones yeah the kidney boulders yep so I don't think I could pass these boulders so you know do they do they get them with the lasers no they've never done that they've actually just ended up sort of dissolving and it's quite painful but you don't have to pass them in the like the way we were talking about, you don't have like you don't actually like pass them, which is mm. um, the really really painful way. And I and I and I know people who've done that. And they say it's like the most painful thing. I I mean like like I knew some like someone one of my friends lost like fifteen pounds because he just like couldn't eat and couldn't like process stuff until he passed them. And sometimes it takes like a week. Oh really? Oh, so it's not even just the experience of it leaving, but like everything no, surrounding it's like it. The way it's like the process of it of it um moving through your, your urinary tract my old roommate it, has like ptsd from like his dad getting kidney stones like he didn't even experience it and he yeah, has ptsd no, people, like, I, yeah it's 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 disgusting it's it's really brutal it was especially yeah. bad too because like whenever i was in my kid oh my god i have kidney stone state i was reading all the things that can cause it. And it was like chips and like peanuts. And like literally I had like a jar of peanut butter and a thing of pita chips right next to me as I was reading mm-hmm. that. You can imagine. It's terrifying. It's a big it's a big it's a big diet thing and um you really like some people are more naturally predisposed to it, but it's also as you get older it's mainly influenced on your diet and stuff. Uh, yeah, my, my old roommate was saying that like his dad just like drank too much Mountain Dew or some shit and it affected it. <laughs> yep, that's big. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, soda's like poison. And I drink a lot of it, so I, I, this is not me being on my high horse. Yeah, it's, it's really like, you look back and I'm just like very angry that my parents gave me soda. <laughs> like, what were <laughs> you doing? Were pretty good. My parents were pretty good about it, but I think I kind of just like... They didn't really have it around in the house, um, but I once I sort of got on my own, I was like, "This is amazing," and so I drank, drank a shit ton of it. I just like, I mean, I'm just also thinking like from their perspective, they had to have regretted it because like, I mean, they, you look at like a, like a seven year old, they have so much energy, so much more energy yeah. than you ever want to deal with, and then like let's say you're taking them to like a basketball game or some shit. Basketball, something we should talk about in a second. Um, you're taking them to a basketball game and they're already not trying to sit down and then you give them like a 64 ounce just injection of caffeine oh my god 
That's the worst experience of your life watching that kid. Yeah, I mean, as someone who who has to teach, you know, like teenagers, it's like I'm really grateful that they can't like drink stuff at school. I think it would make my job just absolutely miserable. Yeah, that'd be mm, yeesh. Who would you say? All right, I'm gonna try and make a really, really bad transition. I want, I want you to grade this transition for me, Andrew. 20 games into the 2018-2019 NBA season. Who is the kidney stones of the league? (laughs) That's a five. That's a five. Thank you. That's not... Yeah. You... Yeah. um, The kidney stones of the league are... hmm, Give me a second. I have a couple contenders in my mind. I'm gonna... They are... They're the Utah Jazz. Wow. Yeah. Why do you say that? Okay, so okay, so if we want to if we want to say that the Kidney Stones are the most painful team in the league, then I think we should probably go with like let's say the Washington Wizards. So perhaps the Washington Wizards are actually the Kidney Stones of the league. But I've just been like watching the Jazz play has just been. A brutal experience. Have you watched much of them this year? Yeah, I've uh, I've had some money on the Jazz, um, and I've actually been pretty fortunate that most of the time I've put money on them, it's gone my way. Um, but like in terms of watching them play, like I mean, I think maybe also because the expectation of their their experience of watching them was supposed to be so great. Like I was really looking forward to watching this team, and then just watching this year, it just been it's because it's it's. Their entire lineup are players that I like, but they've just been so disappointing and so underwhelming. Oh, well, I mean, that, they, I guess. they have so many guys who would be an excellent, like, third or fourth guy on a team. Um, that's literally their team. And I just they're, don't... They're, they're literally their team is three and four guys. I mean, after you said, um, what do you call it? Um, I mean, you, you asked, like, oh, do you enjoy watching them? Hell no, I don't like watching them. I barely liked watching them last year. And last year it was just like, oh, they're executing so well that like you're appreciating it even if you're not loving it. You know, kind of like... And they had like a new combination combination of players. Sorry to cut you off. But they had a new combination of players and they just ran back the same team. And so that sort of novelty is worn off as well. That part too. And I think that... I mean, I think a lot of it is, you know, Donovan Mitchell. We were... It's incredible what expectations can do because he's not really any different of a player than he was last year. But last year he was, what, like the 13th pick in the draft? Wasn't even on most people's radar in terms of rookie of the year discussion. And then comes in and tears it up and is the number one option on a top half of the West team or a top half of the Western Conference playoffs team. Like He's a great player. Um, this year... People come in and they're like, oh, can Donovan Mitchell be a, can you be a sneaky MVP candidate? And suddenly no one likes him anymore because he's not living up to that standard that we've created for him unfairly. Right. No, I think Mitchell's been, Mitchell's been really disappointing and Gobert has also been a bit frustrating this year. He's been, teams have really capitalized on, no, he's a good defender, but he's not nearly the sort of, game-changing defender he was last year. I think teams are really taking advantage of his inability to guard perimeter players. 
and so they're putting smaller guys on him when he's on defense, and they're t- sort of taking him out. And I think, I mean, they're they're just they're just a step below everything they were last year, and that's just not not good. No, and I, I mean, to an extent, don't you think that you? How disappointed are you in the lack of development in Rudy Gobert's offensive game? Because I understand that he shouldn't. I'm not expecting him to take some quantum leap where now he's suddenly like Joel Embiid with the ball in his hands. But the fact that like he's just like offering, I, I, he just doesn't offer you that much to the point like, how much difference is there between like DeAndre Jordan and Rudy Gobert? Um, well, I think there's a big difference at their peaks because I think Rudy Gobert is or has proven to be one of the best defenders in the league. I mean, offensively, sure, maybe you could argue that they're they're a, they're sort of equal. But the thing with Rudy Gobert has never really been his offensive impact. It's like what makes him great is obviously his his defense. Um, in terms of offense, I don't really know. I mean, what I guess what more could you expect of him? I guess my question is, I'm trying to think, like, do you expect him to have a perimeter shot? No, not really. I mean, why um, not, though? Why Why can't we expect him to try and develop something like that? We, I don't know if expect is the right word, though. I think I think that would just be an, an unbelievable bonus. I mean, I think we're getting caught in this because like, we're seeing a lot of seven-footers shoot that we're thinking that so any of these seven-footers can shoot. And just, like, not everyone's going to be able to develop a shot. But, like, he – I'm not even saying he needs to shoot, like, 38% from three or anything. But, like, if you can at least make it so the other team doesn't just leave you completely unguarded when you stretch out like that, I think would be huge. And that's a big reason why the tandem of him and Derek Favors hasn't worked out that well. I, I think Favors is more of the problem on that in that. Like, but, like, I, I don't want – you have to give some blame to Gobert, right? You have um, to, some of it. Maybe some, I guess. But I think my, my biggest thing is like Gobert's been a bit more alarming in terms of he's not a defensive liability, but teams are being more aggressive than exploiting the fact that he really struggles to get out on stretch players. And um, I think once you limit his defensive impact, like you're really just cutting down his value because his value – I mean, you just looked at the numbers last year. His value was as a defensive player. Yeah, and he averaged like 10 points a game. I'm not trying to deflect on the he should show offensive improvement. I'm just thinking like I think the big thing is like Rudy Gobert's value throughout his prime is going to be defense. All right. And how about just going to be icing on the cake. All right. Well, then offense. if we're going to take – I think that's a fair point. But then if we're going to take that – if we're going to take that point – then the question is, then why didn't he spend more time this offseason improving his perimeter defense? So maybe, all right, if, if we'll say, I'll, I'll grant you, I'll concede that like maybe it's unfair to expect him to continue growing like that offensively. But I do think that if you're not going to grow offensively, then maybe you need to expand your perimeter self. And you knew you need to expand yourself in terms of like perimeter defense, which is something that he knew was going to happen. Did you think that teams... Did he think that teams weren't going to see on film like, oh, hey, this guy isn't really great when he has to go out to the three-point line and defend guys? Is that really a big surprise? Rudy Gobert is seven foot two, so like, let's to be honest with you, I I just think a lot of it's just physical limitations. I don't think Rudy Gobert has a lateral foot speed to engage with a lot of these four guys. The 
problem is, is I think that you needed a player outside of, I think Derek Favors is just a really bad fit, both offensively and defensively with Utah. Again, this isn't, this is not Derek Favors' fault necessarily. This is a roster construction problem. Right. I think that you, again, you're seeing this with Carl Anthony Towns, is that like the guys you put around these big guys really, really matter. More so than the guy, just like the guys that you put alongside, um, like, look at, like, who, who do you put around Joel Embiid? And this is actually going to be one of the biggest problems with Ben Simmons coming forward. Like, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid might hit an impasse where you might have to move one of them. It's because not, it's not that they're not great players in isolation. It's just that they're not very good players together because one of them, like, they require different things from each other. Right? And I think that's a lot of the problem with Utah is they also don't have guards that can shoot. Well, they well I mean, now Mitchell's they, not a great shooter. Mitchell's not a great shooter, at least this year. And Rubio is still not a great shooter. Mitchell wasn't and, a great shooter. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, that's it. You're right. He wasn't a great shooter last year either. Uh, I just said, well, they added Kyle Korver at least. Um, but I right, mean, just but recently, right? Um, I mean, they. I, I think your point about the fit together is a valid one, but again, just think about the way. Like, just think about what we're saying. We're saying out loud that Rudy Gobert is a non-factor offensively and is slowly becoming a, not a defensive liability, but slowly becoming just like an, a pretty good defensive player. No, and that's, I'm, saying he's a, I'm saying he's a non-factor offensively with the type of personnel around him. I do not think as a whole he's a non-factor offensively. I think he could be a very great offensive player. Like how, but like how great can an uh, offensive player are we talking? Well, if he was surrounded by by like spacing, and you know a not sort of a ball dominant two guard who had a really high usage rate, I think he could be incredibly effective. Like if you put him on the Lakers, subbed him out for Jamal McGee, like he'd be a borderline all star. So we're still talking about like offensively, like a DeAndre Jordan type. Steven Adams type yes. where it's just I think, I think also his defense is is like I think that problem again is fixable with personnel around him okay that uh, just fits better but is I that I like Rudy Gobert a lot I, I mean I like him a lot too I just I think we're sussing out here you know I thought at, last year we could probably argue that Gobert was a top 20 to 30 player in the league is that fair Totally. I mean, just impact. I mean, like numbers alone, like the impact he had. Right. I mean, when he was on the court, was insane. So we we say that Rudy Gobert was around the twenty fifth best player in the league last year, with the way teams are attacking him defensively, and within the context of what of how the Jazz are constructed right now, where is Gobert like even a top fifty player this season? This season. Uh, Yeah, probably a top fifty player. But like you had to think about it. And that's yeah, where and that's where my concerns come with the Jazz. Is that we're that Rudy Gobert theoretically should be your best player. No, I, I would honestly I'd put Rudy Gobert probably before I look up his numbers. because I, I think we're taking it a bit too harsh. Before I look up at his numbers, because I I'm on basketball reference, I'm gonna wager a bet that he is I mean I'd put him still as at the top. 25 player and I'm 
gonna go look up his numbers right now. So just give me a second. Okay. So Rudy Gobert, here it is. Okay, yeah. So Rudy Gobert is PER is twenty four. His effective field goal percentage is seventy percent, and his win shares is three and a half. Okay, I mean that's not bad. I mean, what's his defensive rating? That's really good. That's really good. Uh, I like the the I honestly like the the shooting percentage thing. Like, okay, he's shooting seventy percent, but like all of his shots are like at the rim. His defensive win sh- win shares are. Um, just looking, 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 looking. They're all right. They're good. Um, uh, oh, oh, they're all right. Now I, you're cutting. No, I mean they're look. They're good, but they're I'm just looking. Which like which defensive stat are you looking for? All right, I'm looking at right now. I'm looking at the. Best defensive rating for players who are playing over 30 minutes, 30 minutes or more per game. Okay. How long do you think till we get to uh, young Rudy Gobert? A while, probably. No, he's not. Not really. He's he's not number one on his own team, but he's at 103.7, which puts him at the same defensive rating as Kyrie Irving and Malcolm Brogdon. Right, so again, again, so based on the going back to this conversation, I think Rudy Gobert offensively is a, a, like could really really thrive. I just think the most alarming thing about his season is that he's he's really getting exposed on the defensive end, and that again is sort of inverse of what we thought about him. Yeah, I, um, I'm still, mm, yeah. All right, let's. Uh... No, but moving on from that. Yeah, sorry. I into the season, and I and I and I want to talk, and I want to oh, talk about the NBA as a broader whole. But I was, was a little bored this afternoon, and we were talking, and um, we were just thinking of ideas for the pod, and we're going to talk about um, other players, like the sort of the the main topics, like who we might think would be MVP, what we think of sort of certain teams and stuff, but. I'm a super fan of a team that just acquired two role players for a superstar player, and the team that uh, the Timberwolves are seven and two. And um, this year has been really interesting because there's a lot of parity in the NBA. It's sort of like an NFL-like season. You know, there's really no sort of clear team that has sort of taken over, um, unless you want to argue that's Toronto. But I created an all NBA role, role player team. And I'm interested to hear your thoughts. So it's going to be five starters and there's a six man. Okay. So I, I created it based on position. So I want to hear your thoughts. And so I'll just tell you one player. We can sort of, I just want to hear your quick thoughts on it. And then we'll go to the next player, et cetera. Okay. So the first, the point guard of my all role player. And this, let me, let me, let me state that this is a combination of how they've performed this year, their projected impact. So a lot of these teams are good teams. I didn't pick role players on, like, the New York Knicks, for example. Okay. So these are role players that are going to have an impact going forward as well. So the first player I chose was Eric Bledsoe. He is the point guard of my team. Eric Bledsoe has had, in my opinion, a fantastic year. His offense efficiency numbers are 
really great. He's shooting well from three, and he's just been, I think, a pretty solid defensive presence. So Eric Bledsoe is the point guard. Okay. What do you think? I mean, I've been, I was skeptical of Eric Bledsoe for pretty much his entire career, and you know, through a lot of last year, I was, I wasn't the biggest fan of that trade for him. I understood why people liked it because he is a talented guy, and I didn't think the fit alongside Giannis was great. But I mean, Bledsoe has been fantastic at Bunholzer's system this year. I thought he's stepped up on the defensive end more than I thought he would, and I mean, you saw in that game. I'm gonna, I'm gonna end up referencing this game more than any other game this year, but the Milwaukee beatdown at Golden State, so much of that came because Eric Bledsoe was getting to the hole at will. I think he ended up with something like 26 points in that game or something like that, Um, but I kind of love the combination of Bledsoe playing playing point guard alongside like a cutting Giannis, uh, alongside Middleton and all that. i Bledsoe's really impressed me with the way he's been able to fit in with all those guys. And alongside sure Malcolm Brogdon. Defensive player. He's a really important defensive player because all those guys that you mentioned, whether it's the honest based on sort of just energy exerted, um, but he, he really can take a lot of, you know, and he can, not that he can always really efficiently guard two guards, but he, he's a versatile defender and that he's strong and he's, and he's a smart defender and that, and that really matters on a team where you have a lot of offensive weapons. so Yeah. Big fan of Eric Bledsoe this year. But I, I shared your same doubts. He, he's been a really frustrating player going going forward. Um, okay, my, my two guard, and I hope this is not too biased, but I chose Robert Covington. It's pretty biased. Yeah, it's pretty biased. But it's fine. It's your but list. He, but, hear, but, but hear me out. But hear me out on the Robert Covington because he's the last person I included. Robert Covington has completely changed the Minnesota Timberwolves team. He's 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 one. He's the best defender on the team. He's probably he's a better wing defender than Jimmy Butler. He's not nearly a better player, but he's a better wing defender. And he's func- he's fitting into the spot in the rotation that that you needed Jimmy Butler to do. So he's the first person off onto the bench, and he's and his numbers with the second unit are absolutely ridiculous. And what he's doing with the second unit is allowing the Wolves to actually have a deep team. And he's just, he's so versatile, and he's, and he's and he doesn't require that much on offense. That it allows the offense to go through Carl Anthony Towns, and just, it's been such sort of a revolution. So, Robert Covington, as well. Thoughts? No, I mean, I, I think you're giving him a lot of credit for stuff that, is uh, just a product of getting Jimmy Butler out of there and just, you know, I mean, if you, I don't want to, like, compare it to, like, cancer or anything because that's not, it's a little extreme. <laughs> but, like, I mean, if, you know, like, if you have, like, uh, like a can- some cancerous blood cells or some shit in your ankle and, you know, it doesn't matter, like, it doesn't matter how much you're working out, you're not going to improve your physical standing until you get the cancerous cells out of your body. And the Timberwolves got Jimmy Butler out of the locker room, and that really boosted that that boosted the whole team. And I, no, I think Covington's done a great job. I think he's done a nice job sliding in. But I think you could name a number of guys who would slide in and be an excellent fit in the Timberwolves because they have they're a talented team that just happened to be brought down by a cancerous teammate. 
But also Covington also does he's sort of the elite version of everything that you wanted. He is an all defensive team player. He very I think he was second team last year, but I think he very easily could have made the first team. I mean, he's an all he's a, he's a phenomenal defender and he's a and he's a he just fits in really nicely as an offensive player. So I, I think very few players in the NBA could do a rough Covington I don't think he's just some sort of um, he's just filling in as a placeholder. I think he's pretty elite at what he does. Oh, I'm not saying he's like just a placeholder. I'm just saying that he's a what do you call? It? I'm just get get away. Uh, I'm saying that he is like a quality three and D player, but like he what do you call? It? But I think he is getting some credit from like I mean the Timberwolves like. But prior to the Jimmy Butler trade, they would have gotten the award for the kidney stones of the league, right? <laughs> oh, they would have. They would have. Yeah, that was theirs to. Right. So maybe. So maybe the comparison is Jimmy Butler is the kidney stones of the Timberwolves, and now that they they flushed out the, the kidney stones, passed through, they're doing a whole yeah. lot better. And so I think. No, I mean that, and that's 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 largely it. So I just think. I think Covington is them. Right, so I just think you're attributing a little bit of it to it. That's fair. So the next person you're really going to like, um, my small forward on my all, um, I'm going to give you the floor on this one, the small forward for my all sort of role player team is Pascal Siakam. Okay, I like it. Uh, he leads the league, I think, in field goal percentage, like effective field goal percentage. I'm not sure, I actually have to go. He's up. I mean, his shooting numbers are unbelievable this season. Yeah, that, that was the stuff I didn't quite expect to see uh, out of Siakam. I thought he would. I think I thought he would grow as a shooter, but not perhaps not to this degree. Uh, but you, you know I me; mean, I love Pascal Siakam. I've been I've been on the bandwagon maybe longer than anyone else, besides Pasai Ujiri, yeah, obviously. You, you get a lot of credit for that. Yeah, he actually credits me in the post game as well. Um, yeah, I know. I just think that he, the, the way he can fill out lineups is great. And I think that to your point about being able to mix and match big men together, I think that a lot of credit, a lot of people pointed to the Raptors also getting Danny Green in the Kawhi trade as a big boost for them. But I think underratedly a big thing for them was they got Jacob Pertle out of there. And it's not. This is not like an anti-Jacob Pertle stance. I just think that, or Jakob, sorry, Jakob Pertle, uh, Pertle and Valanciunas were essentially the same guy, but neither were bad enough that you couldn't play them. You had to play both. And now this year, the Raptors aren't wasting as many minutes on having lineups where you have a center who's not going to be able to stretch the floor like that. And so you've seen that these Abaka Siakam lineups have been very effective in the front court. Whereas like Siakam is not he's able to rebound he's able to rebound at a reasonable enough level for you to get by at the four. And yet he can do so many things. Like he can ha- handle the ball, kind of open up the offense for you. He can go out there, he can take some shots if you need, and he can defend all five positions pretty much. Well, the versatility exactly, I and mean, that's why he's on this list. Um, he's efficient. He's, I mean, he's the perfect role player. He's efficient, he's versatile, and he sort of brings out the best features of your sort of your more dominant players. And he fits in sort of seamlessly, and that's the whole point of being a good role player. So 
He's, I mean, he's probably the most impressive person on this list so far. So I had him as my small forward. Now I have two power forwards in my next. I'm sorry, I'm looking over. So I so have Wesley Covington. You're not having a center then. Uh, no, I'm not. Um, so I have a question. Actually, I don't know if I... So I debated. And actually, I eliminated Tobias Harris from my list. And let me give you an explanation why. I'm talking about also role players in terms of functionality. And Tobias Harris is the best player on his team. Yeah, I don't think right? that's... Yeah, he's not a role he's player. He's not a role player. Now, he's not a superstar. But not a superstar doesn't equate being a role player. So, right. But it's a quick shout out to Tobias Harris, who's having a great year. My power forward is DeMontis Sabonis. Okay. Okay. Now, DeMontis Sabonis is... Um, have, you, have you watched a lot of the Pacers this year? I've watched them a decent amount. Not he's been awesome. I mean, so he's... I, mean, I don't know how much you value PER, but his PER is 26.4. His, you know, effective shooting percentage is about 67%. He's just been, he's been rock solid. Absolutely rock solid. And, you know, he doesn't really shoot a lot of threes, but he's just been, you know, on a team where Oladipo's was the last six games, um, they've been really, really sort of still um, sort of keeping themselves afloat. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, Demonte Sabonis has been. I'm not. I didn't include him on the list. He's just been. He's been really, really good. I like this Pacers team a lot, and so I want to give a shout out to the Pacers. Okay. All right. Well, who was your last guy? Julius Randle. Julius, he's the king of like, like every. You look at his box score stats. And he always like, it'll be like 18 and 12 in like 22 minutes. Like, how did this happen? Yeah, he, I mean, he's just been awesome. I mean, he's been he's been good. I mean, he's been the the Pelicans have a pretty talented group around him. Anthony Davis. It's not the ideal group, but this like this whole notion that they're sort of devoid of talent is a bit. I mean, like Drew Holiday was, you know, he's too good that I didn't even put him on this list. But he's I, been amazing. I guess, but I mean, how many guys? How many of those guys just look so much better because Anthony Davis is playing next to them? Uh, like, I mean, I mean, that's the same, like, we have, we've always, I mean, that's the same thing with any great players. Like, how good are their sort of periphery pieces? And also, like, I, I think it's, I think we're fair to criticize the supporting cast. First of all, they have good players, but they're, they have no, they have no depth at all. And second of all, I think it's completely fair to say that what constitutes a good NBA team is not the same, is not the standard that we should hold the roster surrounding Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis has a chance to go down as one of the 10 or 15 greatest players of all time. And with that being the case, he needs a supporting cast where he can win titles. Anthony Davis, I you know, the fact that like we celebrated him getting to the second round last year is a joke. Like he needs to have it's horrible. I mean, it's horrible to watch him flounder with guys around him like that. And, you know, he's got a good t- good enough team this year. But, I mean, even compare it to, like, I mean, if you if you just take away the best player on every team in the NBA, where do the Pelicans rank roster-wise? Uh, bottom third. Well, I mean, again, I'd put him ahead of, like, the Knicks, uh, ahead of the Nets. I'd put him ahead of... 
Um, you know, like Cleve. Yeah, Bob, maybe like they probably have like the 22nd best roster, maybe. Right. So, I mean, isn't that like. The 20th? So, the, and with that in mind, isn't it kind of fair to say this roster isn't hitting on much? Right, but it's, but it's not, I guess it's not, it's not Cleveland with the broad last year. I guess, but also, Cleveland with LeBron was playing in the East. If yeah, if, the Pel- I'm just saying. I think we, I think we have to give them. I mean, I think they're pretty well coached. Um, and I think, I mean, I, I was a big fan of Julius Randle, as I think you were too. I mean, is he this efficient and this sort of prolific? Probably not. But I mean, he's I think a good player. I think the current group is it Dell Demps who's still the GM. Yep. Like, so I think Demps and Alvin Gentry have done a very good job the last, like, two or three years. But, but like, they just, they fucked everything up so much prior to that that it, it, they just were playing catch-up for too long that it's probably going to, they're probably not going to be able to put up together a quality enough roster by the time Anthony Davis leaves. And I was kind of thinking about it uh, earlier this week. You know, like we talked about the Sacramento Kings being a, a, a sneaky good team. You know who they have who the Pelicans might like to have on their roster right now? Buddy Heald. Buddy Heald. Wouldn't he yeah. be the, the absolute perfect fit for this Pelicans team? Yeah, I mean, I was... I was uh, yeah, I was kind of down on that trade for um, the Kings. I thought it was... I mean, because I, I, I really like Boogie Cousins, but... Yes, yes, absolutely. Buddy Heald has been... He would be perfect. He would be perfect, that team. He'd add depth, he'd add shooting, he'd add um, a decent amount of athleticism. He'd be perfect. But also, because they also gave up... Like, they gave up Tyreek Evans, and also they gave up uh, some draft picks as well. I mean, I understand why they make... They gave up, I think, what would have been the 10th pick in the draft. And, you know, I think that... Oh, yikes. Um, so they could have taken Donovan Mitchell. So you basically could have had Buddy Heald and Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. And, you know, I understand no. why you make the trade. You have to, like, right. you had to do something to shake things up. But, Yeah, I man. think doubting that trade in, in hindsight is a bit. I mean, because I think if we were running the team, which would be a terrible idea probably, but if we were running the team, I think we would have made that trade. Yeah, and also, let's just be real about it. Everything about the trade looks a whole lot different if he doesn't get the Achilles injury. Yeah. That's the... And, they, and he was... And he was playing pretty well. I mean, he's playing really well. Yeah. I mean, so, he had... Um, once you come to the playoffs, like, elite talent can sort of overpower teams. Do you want to hear something really sad from him? This is from Boogie Cousins' Wikipedia page because I, I went to go check the, uh, the trade. Mm-hmm. Cousins... Tore his Achilles on January 26th, 2018. He had a triple-double in that game. Four days earlier, he was the first player since Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in 1972 to have a 40-20-10 game. He was playing That is... Now, you wonder maybe if he would have... Maybe Anthony Davis wouldn't have played as well... But I mean that was a really that was a really fun dynamic where they had like Boogie was kind of playing outside a little more Davis inside. Um, man, that was it would have been inter- interesting to see that moving forward. 
Sorry to sorry to go on the tangent. I was just something something interesting. No, to think just about. an additional Boogie Cousins tangent is I saw him play in high school when he was a junior and senior in high school. So that's um, fun fact. Very fun. He came to, he came to Minnesota, and he was um, he was insane. Uh, and so the last person before we move on to sort of some sort of broader NBA stuff, and I, I honest to God, I swear this is not me being a homer, but my six man role player is. Um, Derek Rose. And before you say anything, no, I do have to again preface this by, by like you and I have talked about this a lot. Like I, I'm a well documented skeptic of Derek Rose, specifically the last three or four years. But he's been undeniably good this year. He's not even a role he's player though. He's their MVP. From three. What? He's the MVP of the league, honestly. Wait, what? He's Derrick Rose is the MVP of the league. I mean, look at his the on-off numbers. He's the best player on the Timberwolves. It's yeah, a fact. That's true. Um, right, they were in agreement. He should win Sixth Man of the Year, by the way. Yeah, I mean, it's at this point it's his to lose, but still plenty of time for him to lose it. Um, and we know we know what Derrick Rose. I mean, unfortunately, a lot of it. I mean, he could he could have a lower body injury. Bold prediction. You know who's going to win sixth man of the year? Who? Gordon Hayward. That is, that is incredibly bold. I just look at Gordon Hayward's numbers today. Yeah. Um, is is it bold? It's, it's really bad. Is it bold because um, it would imply that Gordon Hayward's going to actually do anything this year? Or bold yes, in the sense that, that like bold. it's going to mean he's not starting? No, it's bold implying that he's going to do something this year. Okay, yeah, that's... Oh, my God. He is... He's the sixth leading Did you scorer? His numbers? Well, I mean, I had... I'd been aware of them, but they're just, like... They're even worse than I imagined. They're on... They're... They're really bad. Yeah, Gordon Hayward's not good. Not nope. not good at all. Um, all right, so to close out the pod, let's look at the... Let's look at the NBA standings. I will read out the playoff teams to you. Sure. We'll, we'll do it by conference, and I want you to tell me which teams. I want you to tell me which teams are not going to make it that are currently in. So right now in the East. Okay, so when we do the West quickly, can you read the next three or four teams after the number eight seed? Because I think the West is so sort of um, there's such a like a um, mixture of teams that I think it's important to note that the thirteenth and the twelfth and thirteenth seed in the West. Should be considered oh. as a team that could definitely make the playoffs. Oh, but, I'm just saying, I'm talking about teams that are in the playoffs now, because okay, as as you're, I'm sure you're aware, at the end of the season, they don't just put in the the ninth and tenth team because they were close. The Clippers did. Yeah, I, was saying, I mean that would have that would have made my life as a Timberwolves fan a bit more enjoyable. But. Yeah. Um, all right. So in the East, Raptors with the one seed, nineteen and four, Bucks fifteen and six. Sixers fifteen and eight, then the Pistons eleven and five, Pacers thirteen and nine, Hornets eleven and ten, Celtics eleven and ten, Magic ten and twelve. Right. Um, so I mean, obviously, I think uh, I'm actually just going to pull up the the numbers as well. I'm just trying to see who are below. I like a lot of these teams. Actually, I really like Detroit. Actually, I um. I actually think Steve Clifford's a pretty good coach. No. Um, no, you don't think so? No, absolutely not. 
Absolutely not? Okay. No, he sucks. Um, <laughs> uh, I kind of enjoy, I actually am enjoying your uh, podcast scene this year, but it's basically just I'm enjoying Temple Walker. Um, let me just, I know this is really exciting, but let me just look quickly. So I think I think the, the top teams are an absolute lock. I watched the Warriors versus the Raptors yesterday. What, quick thoughts on that while I load this. Uh, um, You're saying you did watch it. I watched. I watched the replay. Oh, did, by the way, let's. What did? What was my prediction? I was. I did. I predict the the Raptors would be up double digits with five minutes left and then blow it. What yes. happened? What happened? That that happened. Yeah. That happened. That's so right. Oh, sorry. What? No, I said that's right. That was that was it was impressive. Uh, I'm looking at the standings right now. I think. I mean, I think I mean most of these teams are going to be playoff teams. I think the Magic are. I think I mean I think the Wizards are going to make the playoffs actually. Ah. Uh, so, the Wizards I mean, should sneak in. As the eighth seed, they're going to get clobbered by Toronto. But, um, I mean, because below them is Brooklyn, Miami, New York, Chicago, Atlanta, Cleveland. And the only conceivable team, especially because Paris LeVert isn't there, the only conceivable team is Miami. But they're just such a bad team that. Um, so yeah. I think you sub out Washington for Orlando, and that is your. I don't think it's going to stay the same order. I think Boston creeps into the top four. But um, I think Charlotte's going to make the playoffs. Yeah, I, I, guess, I think the Magic are the one team that you feel pretty good won't make it, and the Wizards or the Heat will sneak in. Uh, but I, w- I mean, I wouldn't be. Sp- I think the Hornets are the other team that are the most likely to fall out because sure. they they got a good point differential right now, but they've been relying a lot on Kemba. And I mean, do you really expect Kemba Walker to keep like? Keep averaging like keep being like a top five scorer in the league. I just I don't see that. And I mean they have a lot of. I mean you just watch them late in games, and there's just a lot of times when it's like, all right, Tony Parker really needs to make something happen, or else the comeback the other team's gonna come back. And right. that's like with eight minutes left to go in the game, like you have fucking Tony Parker out there, and the guy can't do shit. It's not. It's not looking great. Um. So I, I I'm just not in love with the roster. I think maybe I, I'd like to see. I think that the Hornets are a candidate to make an aggressively stupid move that is good for the short term and horrific for the long term. So watch out for the Hornets to sacrifice a first round pick this year to really secure that seven seed. For who? I don't know. It's going to be someone who's not really that good. Like. They're a team that I could see giving up their first round pick for like Tim Hardaway Jr. or something. Um, and don't tell me you good, like. Don't even tell me you like the trade because I don't want to hear it. No. No, I don't. I don't particularly like it, but Tim Hardaway Jr. is not a bad player. Right, but I'm saying it's the kind of trade where you like really lock into a seven seed and you don't really give yourself much flexibility. Who proposed this? I think it was the. It was, the, was it on the Simmons Rizillo podcast where they? What team did they? Where they? Proposing sending Hardaway to it actually made a decent amount of sense. I mean, some some people floated like Hardaway to the Jazz, but I think that no, it was Hardaway to the Mavericks. Oh yeah, the, to the Mavericks. Sorry. That made a bit of sense. Kind of, kind of. I mean, yeah. I mean, but Wesley Matthews has sort of been such a bust. 
but um, all right. Speaking of the Mavericks, speaking of the Mavericks, they're the eight seed in the West right now, ten and nine. Seven seed Lakers, twelve and nine. Grizzlies, twelve and eight. Blazers, thirteen and eight. Thunder, thirteen and seven. Warriors, fifteen and eight. Nuggets, fourteen and seven. And your Los Angeles Clippers, fifteen and six. Which of those teams don't make the playoffs? The West is crazy. Um, Memphis and Dallas. Yeah, are you banking on Gasol or Conley getting hurt, or just them fading? No, I'm not banking on it. I think it's a high, it's a high likelihood. And even <laughs> then, I just I think all power to them. If all of the, if you know, if they all have career years and they all sustain for 80 games, it just seems I'm not betting on it. I'm actually not even. I'm hoping that they stay healthy and they make the playoffs. I'm a big JB Biggerstaff fan because he's a former Gopher, and I'm, you know, I'm is JB and Bernie Biggerstaff the same person? <laughs> well, they're you know, yes, yes, they're the same people, same person. Um, I didn't know he went by JB. No, they're different people. Bernie's his dad. I was kidding. Oh, okay. So that's okay. Well, you didn't. You didn't have to lie. You could have just been honest. About I wasn't lying. I thought you. No. Oh, you no, fool! His dad is Bernie Brickenstaff's his father. Okay, that makes more sense. Yeah. No. 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 Um. Okay. So Memphis and Dallas. So I mean, I think that the Rockets make the playoffs. I'm not totally um, convinced they do. No, I'm not either. But I think they make the playoffs. And uh, I think the Jazz probably make the playoffs, and if, no. and then so no. basically, no, the teams that are currently not going to make the playoffs. Though, hold on, the teams the teams that are currently not slated to make the playoffs are the ninth seed Minnesota Timberwolves, the tenth seed New Orleans Pelicans, the thirteenth seed San Antonio Spurs, the fourteenth seed Utah Jazz, and the fifteenth seed Houston Rockets, and the Sacramento Kings. Yeah, I kind of skipped over the 12th seed. Yeah, they've been playing quite badly. I think that's going to peter out. Uh, yeah, but you know... I don't think they're that good. I don't think they're that good. Yeah, but on the flip side, the Jazz aren't either. No. What do you think? Do you think the... Like, okay, I have to ask you this question instead of answering it for myself. Do you think the Wolves can make the playoff? All right, so let's let's dive into who I think is going to get out and who's going to get in. Uh. I'm pretty in agreement with you. I think it's going to be Memphis and Dallas falling out. Uh, I like what Luka has done. I'm not on the... I haven't quite, like, ruined all my clothing with jizz over him yet. Like some. But I do... I love Luka. I really like... See, what I like about Luka is that I don't quite think he's, like, an MVP type. I just think that he would be, like, the absolute perfect fit next to like an MVP type. Like I actually this would this isn't this isn't going to happen. But like you know who I think I think Luca is like the perfect player to play with Kevin Durant. Because I think How about that, Anthony Davis, why doesn't Anthony Davis go to Dallas as a free agent? Um because he's gonna go to the go to the Lakers to play with That's, LeBron. I mean I'd do that too. Man. LeBron's awesome. Also there's a chance that Portland is one of those teams that kind of could just hit a skid and kind of blow everything up. Maybe. Um, but I think it's less likely. But, I mean, 
So let me lay out what I... So I'm going to say Memphis, even if Conley and Gasol don't suffer injuries that knock them out, there's a good chance that they're not 100% by the end of the year. And I think that that's a team that's really reliant on them being dominant. Um, so I think... Me- Jared Jackson's been... We have to shout out Jared Jackson. He's been awesome. Yeah, he had the... Uh, you sent me some like stats. Of oh my! The, that was sort of like it was like the box score where he had like he hit four threes and had seven blocks in one game. Oh my god! Also, just his numbers. His numbers comparing to like Anthony Davis and Kevin Garnett at that age. Oh my god! Being, I, I think he's gonna be really good. See, I the Jared Jackson thing. I never quite understood. Like I, I, I say this to someone who doesn't. I've kind of fallen out of the college basketball business. Um, you know, I, I watch it every now and then, but I just, I'm just not into it. Uh, how did any... Why was Jared Jackson selected behind Bagley and Aiden? Well, Aiden makes a bit more sense. I think Aiden... Because I think Aiden also, especially with the Suns, was like, there's no way that Aiden wasn't going to be like a pretty good, like a really, really good player. And I think he's proven that this rookie year. Now, is he going to be, like, a 10-time All-Star? No, but he's going to make a couple of All-Star games, probably, and he's going to be, like, his floor is Andre Drummond. Um, like, I think he's really nice, especially offensively. Um, I think Begley is a bit underrated, but also there's no way that you should have taken him over Jaron Jackson. Right. It's weird kind of thing more, like, I think Begley is actually not a bad player. See, I like... Really I- solid. I just think, like, the fact that Donches, Jackson, and Aiden were the clear top three. Is kind of a mystery to me. Yeah, I mean, I think that. Um, I mean, I I think Bagley. I think he really reminded me in college of like Amari Stoudemire. I mean, I thought he's I, been good this year. He's been good this year. Like Marvin Bagley has been. He's averaging I think like thirteen points a game. His PER is like seventeen or eighteen. Like he's not terrible. No, he's not. I mean, I don't. So like, I mean, you know. But still, it seemed like Jackson, that seemed like to be the guy that fit our idea of what modern big man looks like. Is super long guy yeah. that can go stretch out. Sort of like crafted in a lab type of, type of player. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I don't... So what are your, so who are your teams? Who are your teams? So I, I'm thinking Grizzlies and Mavericks fall out, sadly. I just don't think either team has enough guys. And so that leads to the question of who gets in. And one of those teams will be the New Orleans Pelicans because Anthony Davis is going to put the team on his back dough. Yeah, I think that's I think that's the one team. Well, and I think that uh, I think that. Well, who else did you have besides? I. Mm, uh, I I don't know if I'm ready to lay. I don't know if I want to drop this hot take. Because some of it is, I'm not sure how much I believe it, but there's some of me that definitely believes it. Don't say it. If it's the Kings, don't fucking say it. No, I was going to say the Suns. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be the Timberwolves and the Pelicans getting in. Ooh. Because I mean, this obviously makes me happy, but I mean, it's a bit difficult to leave Houston out. I'll tell you this. I, I mean, I will. I'm already like my bet. I already like my Lakers over Jazz dinner bet is already looking great. 
I'm willing to convert that into two dinners. Double or nothing. Jazz missed the playoffs okay. completely. Okay, so this is, um, this is, uh, we have to, some, we have, like, what's work? We maybe make this into a parlay because, um, I also, if we just make this playoffs in time. No, you're the one who owes me a dinner here, so it's going to, because they're already behind the Lakers and they're going to finish behind them. You're the one that's going to have to owe me a dinner. So you're not in the position of power here, buddy. You're the one, you know, you're the one who has to be subservient, little mister. Well, Jazz are going to be the two seed in the West, above LeBron. You really thought Gobert ahead of LeBron, you fool? You fool! I'm going to, fine, I'll, I'll do double or nothing. All right, and how about this? If the Jazz somehow make the playoffs and overtake the Lakers, then I'll get two dinners for you. So there. Nice. So it's a fair trade-off. Um, really? When you're doing some international travel, we'll meet up. Yeah. And, uh, um, are you going to be in the Midwest anytime this winter? I don't know. I it, I really don't know what like my work schedule is. That's the uh, the whole point. The whole like not having any job officially is kind of shitty because it just means I yeah, gotta be. I can imagine. You just gotta be on retainer at all times, even if you're not ever doing anything. Um. So I I feel pretty confident the Pelicans will make the playoffs. Um. So I, it really came down to that last spot. I just don't believe in the Jazz this year. And yeah, I was really wrong on that. By the way, um, um, yeah, I wasn't trying to like just rub that in. I was, I was joking. Um, no, no, it's, no. I, I, no I, don't, I actually don't think you were bringing it in. It's true. I was, I was, well, I was wrong. They were, they've, and their problems are legitimate. They're, I don't think they're a mirage. And now. I will. I, the area I will take credit for is kind of like foreseeing this Rockets downturn, because, I mean, I, I, you know, like you look at their record this year. What are they like one in ten or some shit when Chris Paul or James Harden is out? Yeah, but also yeah, Harden is zero and seven this year when Chris Paul doesn't play. I mean, I and. I don't really have much reason to believe that Chris Paul is going to play more than like 55 or 60 games this year. And I don't know that roster, the way it's presently constructed. I love James Harden, but if Chris Paul doesn't play at least 60 games and probably at least 70 games, I don't know that the Rockets can make the playoffs in this Western Conference. No, probably not. I mean... I just I think that if if, if they can it just, it just seems so absurd to not have them on there. I think in twenty games if they're still sort of in this position, I think we we'll have to reevaluate. But they're just so talented at, at sort of the top of their roster that I uh, I mean like I, I said, it's a hot take that like, I don't, I'm not quite sold on yet, but it's one that I believe in enough that I want to get out there. Because but some pretty good teams aren't going to make the playoffs. Like that's the thing is like looking at this. Like the Spurs are not terrible. They're probably not going to make the playoffs. The Wolves have probably a forty percent chance of making the playoffs. They're a pretty good team. At least they're playing like good. You know the Jazz. I mean, they're solid. I mean, like the Kings are. I mean, let's the face Kings it. Are not terrible, and yeah. And I mean, let's be honest with ourselves. Even the, the Suns. If you put the Suns in the Eastern Conference, they probably are like have similar record to like the Heat or the Knicks. 
I mean, if, if we put the Kings in the East, what are they like? Top two, three seed in the East? They're probably no. They're probably the sixth seed. I'm not fucking with you. Oh. No, but they're they're probably they're better than the Hornets, probably. Probably, yeah. Yeah, I don't think they're as good as the Pacers, but um, yeah, so they're like the sixth seed. Yeah, the Kings this year. Hmm. You know what's surprising? Like, well, Boston's gonna probably move up. They're gonna they're playing the Wolves tomorrow night. That's gonna be. You know what's? This might be something worth keeping track of, with regards to the Spurs. They're seven and seven against teams that are five hundred and above, but three and four against teams below five hundred, which has been so against what the Spurs have been in recent years, where they really, really built up a nice cushion by just beating down every bad team, mm-hmm. which is not the case this year. So I think if you're making an, I think there's an argument to be made that the Spurs are the team that are going to make the playoffs because you're not, they're not going to be that bad against bad teams the rest of the year, right? Maybe not. Maybe not. I think. Uh, I'm just laying. Out, I'm trying to lay out the case. Devil's advocate for them. Sure, sure. sure. Um, but I think again, I think it. I mean, I think you can make an argument for. All of these teams outside of the Suns making the playoffs. Do you want to hear a great but, argument for your Jazz? <coughs> my Jazz, yeah. They've um, they've played 22 games this year. 17 have been against 500 and above, and they're six and 11 in those games. So the I mean, you know, I I see that, and I might think I'm wrong about them not making the playoffs. Again, it's so tough because I think you can make a pretty persuasive argument for any one of these teams. Right. And of course, also, like, I don't know, uh, those stats might also, like, versus 500 and above is a pretty big difference. Because it, it, it might mean Dallas or it might mean Toronto. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, two very different levels of quality. Um, all right. Before we leave, do you have any, any last thing you want to get off your chest? No, I'm just I'm enjoying the NBA a lot this year, and I'm just I'm enjoying this Timberwolves team. I don't know if you got a chance to watch them, but I mean they they were up by 49 when they were playing the Spurs last game. Wow! And uh, uh, they're fun. All right, uh, they're really fun. I want before I leave, I want to point out that the new Anderson Pack album is predictably awesome. Uh. No one listening to this. No one's going to listen to this part, so I don't know why I even mentioned that. But I wanted to get on record. I enjoy. I enjoy that album. Uh, yeah, and I hope the Panthers get a win on Sunday. They have not won in a very long time. I think that it was literally. I was looking back at it, and I I kind of forgot about this. But you know, like Bill Clinton was the president the last time Carolina won a game. So yeah, I actually I, I was yeah I. I I came across that sad. It was uh, it's pretty jarring, but it made sense because I mean I just I didn't my balls hadn't even dropped last time that they won a game, so I think that would be it'd be nice for them to win a game, in my opinion, if they want to turn this around and maybe make a run. So I don't think I've ever seen the the Vikings beat the Patriots, and that's who they played this weekend. So uh. I'll be pulling pretty hard for the Patriots. Yeah, screw you. They uh well you know we're at the point now where I I got to be pretty savage. No, I was pretty I was rooting really 
hard for the Saints, and that's probably the team outside the Packers and the Bears that I hate the most. They're um, the team I hate the most outside of no one. No, I hate the Saints. I hate them. I hate them. No, I oh. as much as I hate sports. But um. But yeah, all right. Uh, cool. Good, good way to wrap it up. We'll we'll talk about this next week. Have a good weekend, everyone.